Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode 19 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. Plus, we'll present a very, very special interview with Seattle Kraken and Climate Pledge Arena organist Rod Masters. Finishing up the program, Luke Chelios will join Jim and me for some Olympic hockey talk, particularly regarding the Kraken's number one prospect, Maddie Beneers. Kraken FanCast releases episodes about every two weeks. On our program, we, of course, discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's newest team, the Seattle Kraken share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news. We'll also, at times, present interviews with folks, like tonight, and uh, who are involved with the team and the community. Uh, Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. We'd like to start off today by acknowledging our very kind and generous sponsors, uh, particularly our presenting sponsor, the one and only Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar, located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And we also thank Mojito, serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area, bringing together amazing food and amazing people. Mojito works to enrich our community. Check them out at mojitoseattle.com. All right. So now we're getting to the hockey talk, folks. Uh, Since our previous episode taping, uh, Kraken have a few games under the belt, and it was quite a roller coaster ride. They they lost to the Boston Bruins in Boston by the score of three to two. That was a loss, but quite a competitive game. Kraken didn't look too bad on that. Uh, So you know it was, and it was a long way to go. Their first time playing in Boston, not too bad under the circumstances. And it felt really good shortly after where they easily defeated the New York Islanders on the road, gaining their first shutout victory in Kraken history. It was a beautiful game to watch, winning uh, the Kraken winning three to zero. Uh, what a high the team was on. And not surprisingly, the happiness bubble had to pop quickly as they came back home and lost for the second time, lost to the Arizona Coyotes by the score of five to two, a team with an even worse record than the Kraken have, yet they've lost to them twice. Okay, that wasn't feeling good. But just like the Kraken always do, there's a little bounce back, they're up and down, which team's gonna show up? Oh, a good Kraken showed up uh, shortly after, the team bounced back on the road to defeat a very tough Anaheim Ducks team, four to three. So, okay, we're feeling good again. Then they come back home, for an ugly game against Austin Matthews and company, the Toronto Maple Leafs losing to them, Ugh, six to two, Ugh, ugly. What a roller coaster ride, as I said. Uh, as usual, um, a lot of inconsistency from the team. Uh, the team, um, from as as we're as is the time here uh, that we're recording, uh, they'll head into a three-game road trip uh, and then back at Climate Pledge Arena for games against the Islanders and Bruins. Before they finish up the month of February with a road game against the San Jose Sharks. So guys, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, 
ups and downs of uh, a Kraken fan, you know, oh, you know, and seeing them win on the road and really get tarred here at home. uh, That Leafs game really personally pissed me off. I don't know. I just, just, I sometimes have to, you know, keep remembering, step back. This is just perhaps par for the chorus. Love my team. Love, love that they're here and all that, but I don't care. I'm also a fan. You guys are too. And I, I, I get pissed. And uh, I thought that was a really terrible showing in Toronto. But let's look back, you know, whichever one you want to start with. Jim, when you start, what, what are your thoughts over the last few games? Well, this is uh, the first time I've missed a few games because I just couldn't sit at the – I had some obligations. I had my own game one night. I missed the Isles game and I missed the Ducks game. I did oh, catch – Oh, God, those are the good ones to watch. I know. It's just brutal. <laughs> Don't watch like, anymore. They're winning. I know. <laughs> but I did – you know, watch post games what I could. And I got to mention uh, with ESPN plus absolutely brutal. Every bit about it. You can't even post game it. That was tough. And I got nothing good to say about ESPN plus. Can I just say um, while you're on that ESPN thing, I, uh, and it was so apropos too, cause like the next day, I don't think cause they knew how I felt. I just happened to get this random survey emailed to me as an ESPN plus subscriber. Oh, I will fill out this survey happily. <laughs> Tell them about how my screen is frozen a couple of times and I had to unplug and go in back. Cause you know, it's, it's a computer, it's streaming. Yeah. It's not, it's not really TV. Uh, I mean, it looks great. I do love that I can watch other league games and everything. So that without having, you know, direct TV or do some sort of uh illegal uh streaming thing but oh my god yeah it, uh, oh i know what the thing that ticked me off and i don't really get mad at the bars on this i you know i i'm kind of let late at work there's a sports bar near my office oh i'll go watch the first period of the cracking game before i you know come home and watch the rest of it here oh but i couldn't because it's uh, it's it's your home team folks it's supposed to be on root sports so i thought uh but no this one is on espn plus and I'm sorry, we don't have that hookup at our bar. The sports bar, your home hockey team is playing and it's got the Olympics on and not the hockey Olympics. I don't know, it was biathlon or God knows what the hell it was. And, you know, it's like, I, I, I it was horrible. So I'm with it you is. there. I had to go on that tangent and it was it's, like, you know. It's like a circus production too, the way they go about it. I just can't. And by the way, I'm not finding any good reviews about it. So. We're not alone on this, but going back to a quick reviews, um, I, like I said, I miss the aisles, but that sounded like a killer game, obviously. And, and Grubauer with the first shutout of the season, you know, McCann 19th goal. I did get stuck in that ugly coyotes battle. And man, I think collectively Kraken nation is just hates this. It's just horrible, you know, and we outshot him 36, 27. There's no excuse. Oh, and that, that game was loaded with the sub five minute, goal and the answer back goal all our favorite combos for a perfect game i can't get over that and then um you know the ducks game obviously i missed it but boy that that looked like a one of the better games of the year that's what it sounds like anyway um still haven't seen a full replay of that i'd sure like to espn and of course i was at the toronto game as you were you you just said you were incredibly frustrated with that game and i get it I guess I was looking at it a little different. I mean, we were totally the underdogs. Uh, Toronto is one of the best teams in the league, running on over a 30% power play, which was great to watch, by the way, yeah. <laughs> especially in ours, right in front of me in our zone for two. 
Well, the Kraken, uh, although they they're pro, they they can have their slip ups like any hockey team, that Kraken's first goal was thanks to some Maple Leafs. Oh yeah, yeah. There was. I'm still a little. I think a little bit. Everybody's a little puzzled with the pulling of Gru. I mean, there was a softy in there. I think he was just trying to. I think Haxel was just trying to shake it up there. I could see that Gru was pretty frustrated as well. He was having some problems handling the puck. They really weren't his fault. There was a lot of uh, pinball action right in front of him. They were never really in it. I just kept writing it off as it's Toronto. I said, screw it. I'm watching this game. I'm watching some superstars. I'm watching the two best lines in hockey probably right now. And I spent, I don't know how many minutes Matthews pulled last night, but you know, I'm sure it was 21 without looking at paper. I spent a good 19 minutes of isolation on him, just watching his game. I've never seen his game live. I've seen it tons on TV. And I got to tell you, you know, <clears throat> that guy is every bit of it. His play away from the puck is as good as it gets. You know, he just knows where to be. His reading of the play is is a step above everybody else. He's almost as if he's involved in every goal, whether he's got an assist or not, because he, he draws so much attention and he's so casual about it. You know, that release of his is something else because he keeps his hands tight and close to his body and he just lets it fly and it's like wow okay this guy's this guy's pretty damn good pretty good for a guy who grew up in the desert too huh i mean yeah no kidding i i every time i say that to people that may not know they're kind of give me that funny look like what you know what yeah, arizona hell? right yeah, yeah. and so, nathan uh, you were at that game you know it was good to see you and and, and you with marianne there what, what were your thoughts on that was it, you get some good seats there and have a good time yeah it was actually the first time that my wife's been to the arena and saw an actual game so it was exciting to take her you know it was a good date night that game was supposed to be december 19th and it got postponed due to covid and then rescheduled oddly enough for valentine so we just said well hell let's make it a, a date met up with you guys that was good to see you guys the game it was what i expected from toronto and I'd, I I don't want to say that it's what I expected from the crack, and I expected a, a little bit more, but, uh, you know, they played some good hockey, they played some not-so-good hockey, um, and you're playing one of the best teams in the NHL. But being there was good enough to be there. I don't get a lot of opportunities to go. So especially to see the Leafs, that was big for me. There's a handful of teams that I want to see still, but they were towards the top of the list. Uh, believe it or not, Boston is a team that I would love to see. Even if I have to go to Boston to see the crack and play them, I would. Going back to that that game, though, a little deeper, I don't, and I'm ashamed to say this, but I don't know exactly when Hacks pulled Gru. Was it to the start of the second, or was, I don't remember if Gru was in. Yeah, it was in an admission, yeah. Okay, he okay. Whole, he played the whole period, but uh, the Got first it. period, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't understand that, you know, Jim, you say he was shaking it up and that may be so. Has there been anything that anybody's heard of possible something funky going on with him? Something uh, I was injury or anything? the next day and I didn't hear it. No. I didn't see anything. So, well, I mean, everybody wants to assume, okay, that was a weird situation. Is there a groin thing going on? What's up with that? But I was trying to read him from across the way, sitting on the bench there. And you know what? He didn't look real happy. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe he was just pissed. And he's like, you know what? If you're going to be pissed, I'm not putting you back in. He was having a rough night of handling the puck, I could see. But the goals were legit. They were stupid pinball type goals. There was one that you could get back, I guess. But still, it's it's a mystery to everybody. That third goal. Yeah. From where I was sitting, 
right on the crease there. Okay. Up above. I could see it was like, it was in slow motion. Right. He just watched it. I mean, it looks like you literally could just watch it just slowly go in. I agree. I it's kind of like when you, when, when you say something and you reach out and you wish you could just pull those words back. I know he wishes that he could just reach in and just pull that puck back, but you know, yeah. it was fun though. I enjoy it. You win or lose, you know, I I've only seen the Kraken in person win once and that was preseason. So there you have it. All right. Getting you back out in the arena. That's, that was great, Nathan. Yeah. So guys, what, you know, here we are, uh, you know, mid February as we're recording this, you're going to see any trade. Ooh. And it's or anything. I mean, I, I we haven't seen anything. It just started with I, I, I saw a couple of reports and some teams. I mean, is it just starting now? What you know, due date is what sometime in March, right? Yes, 21, I believe. Yeah, this is a delayed trade situation going on everywhere. Um, I still don't know what's gonna happen. We're all speculating. I wish people would quit freaking out about the extension of McCann. It's going to happen. Relax. I think some of our UFAs, like I think Johansson will probably be let go somehow. But other guys, I, I don't know. You know, the, we get the, the typical Don Scoy, Boy Boy Cali type talk always comes up, you know, because their trade value is still up no matter what. Kelly's looked decent recently. He's been totally coming around. I mean, yeah. he's been handling this last third of the season pretty well on the club roster compared to others. So he, he might be some good trade bait, but we'll see. I just don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird. We're in this little lull. I mean, February, it's such a weird thing because, you know, touch base with what you said, Nathan, you know, how the game was postponed. I mean, you know, they've been shuffled up. We weren't even supposed to see this many games in February originally. Obviously, the guys were originally going to be in the Olympics and COVID things happened and whatever, and they, they blew it off. So they're doing a lot of makeup games right now which is nice because I was like looking at the schedule, you know, we all were talking about that. It's like, God, what are we going to do for three and a half weeks or whatever it was, you know, but so it's great to get in some games in, but that's been a little bit of a curveball in the plan. So we just kind of feel like in this uh, kind of strange, ambiguous time right now, it's, it's, it's apparent that, you know, unless all of a sudden they go on a, I don't know, 20 game win streak, uh, the Kraken are not going to be in the playoffs. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm trying to keep, uh, my expectations like, okay, they have the fourth worst record in all the NHL. Can they just get to sixth or seventh worst by the end of the season? Yay. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Well, one thing I do look at, and it is, by the way, nice that this February is loaded because I've been going to my fair share of games off the cuff. And I love that. The one thing I notice though is whenever we have a homestand like this and we struggle a bit, I almost look forward to them going on the road because we do have a better road record it seems for sure All so Canadian games coming up yeah man well, that's going to be tough too but I just know they play well on the road the whole bonding thing whatever it is so I'm actually looking forward to it yeah because I mean they gave the Bruins a good good game oh hell yeah you know and uh and obviously came back you know the Islanders but yeah something about home all right so much for home ice advantage uh I will say though home ice advantage one thing was really cool too was I didn't want to forget this besides the games that we saw it was uh, the guys did a really nice thing for fans uh, Saturday on the 12th it was a Seattle Kraken super skill showcase and Nathan that was another time we saw how much fun did your little boy have at that there were a lot of little boys and girls and families and everybody uh, having a great time seeing these guys uh, you know play these little contests with each other oh man he's three he acts towards the Kraken like he's been a fan for 20 years. You know, uh, we play floor hockey 
in the house and he's always saying, okay, I'm going to be Grubauer. You can be, you know, Gord. I'm like, all right, let's do that. When I told him, I said, Hey dude, do you want to, do you want to go see the guys? He's like, I get to go see my guy. So he made a sign per, uh, uh, you and Jim said, make a sign, bring it out there, see what happens. So we made a sign, put, uh, you're my favorite in German. He didn't see it, but, uh, my boy, he loved every minute of it. He started to get a little antsy. He wanted to go home. Why do you want to go home, Camden? Well, when are they going to fight? <laughs> oh, I they said, they left that skill out. Yeah. I oh, said, well. dude, they're not going to do that this time, buddy. But he had a great time. It was it was a proud moment for me to to take him, and we had a great time. It was a great idea because you know the thing is, a lot of teams will do you know interactive things for fans. And, you know, due to the pandemic, they've had their hands tied. They haven't been able to do that so much. So this was a really great touch. I hope they keep that up. It was a nice crowd on a Saturday. It was only 10 bucks to get in for everybody that all went to their One Roof Foundation charity. And, uh, yeah, it was a great family. So many, I mean, some certainly wasn't alone. I'm sure there were a lot of people there, adults included, who can't afford to go to games, can't schedule them, whatever. And it was was a great way to uh, bring a whole family out. They raised 100,000, just over $100,000 for that event to go towards that One Roof Foundation. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I yeah. can believe it. It was a it was a nice a nice Saturday afternoon thing to do. And uh, it's Jim. I think I was telling you this, where I was also saying mentioning our friend Don. Uh, you know, some of the guys who won some of the skills things. I were one of the guys I necessarily would have expected. And uh, who had the fastest sh- shot? Uh, Morgan Geeky. All right, Morgan. No, no, no pressure. Maybe you can see that in a game sometime, buddy. Yeah, just get open with a little more time and let that thing release, please. Now whoa, we whoa. know you can do it. Was that 97 miles an hour? No, it was 96. And McCann had a 96 too, but Geeky was able to back his up in the, you know, the roll off after that. One thing I got to say, go ahead and into that. Uh, when it came and they announced it, I was like, eh, I'm not really into that. The whole all-star weekend type thing over the years has just kind of lost interest with me. I started thinking, you know what though, this is local flavor. They're going to do it upright. So, you know, got in on the tickets and I got to tell you, man, they did it right. Whoever produced that whole, you know, from the start to the end, did it right. It flowed super nicely. It was comical in a good way, not a goofy way. Hilarious. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was done really well. And yeah, the players looked like they were in fun. Oh, man. Players without helmets smiling, but not doing goofy stuff. You know, just pretty, pretty fun stuff. Do you remember, Jim, at the draft? And I said, who's going to be the class clown? You said, Morgan Geeky. Did I say that? You did. Whoa. And I, I think, I think honestly, I think the class clown might be Yoni Gord. Well, in the past, whenever they, they have that feature on um, Root Sports, when they get, they, they call it, what is it, two minutes in the box or whatever, and they interview each player. So they always have that question, like, you know, who's the goofiest guy on the team? Geeky does come up a lot. It's but, true. But I think you could probably hit about two or three guys on that club for sure. You know, and Gord, obviously. Like well, I mean, I've heard them all both in the interviews, and they they could, you know, they they both. I mean, Geeky's has this real dry yes. sort of thing. And he's a young guy, too. I'm like, wow, you really could be like a comedian later on. He's got this little dry wit thing going right. on. You know? But uh, Gord, you could tell, is like a little, you know, I mean, he's always laughing there, even in games sometimes, yeah. you know, and him like, yeah, 
<laughs> trying to remember, he was, I, I don't know if it was Vince Dunn or who was he, somebody was doing a little race and he's like throwing a bunch of equipment to kind of stop the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, Yanni threw his stick out to ruin a guy's uh, breakaway. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So, one, one other thing to follow up on that, the one thing that I kept thinking about was how great it was for the kids, obviously. Um, Nathan, you can relate with your boy. Yeah. But all I could keep th- thinking about was me going back to my days at that age, going to totems games with my dad and the events they had planned back then, of course, to me were huge and just as meaningful. Really, they weren't even close to this. This is just huge for the kids. The amount of guys, players coming off that ice and throwing their stick over their boards was amazing to me. They're never going to forget this. Oh yeah. Fans for life. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, you know, fun for everybody. And let's be honest, fantastic, fantastic PR too. So, yes. I mean, again, it, it strengthens the community for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks on all that good stuff. Um, before our final segment, uh, I want to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and finances for equipment and etc. So things like sponsorship and Patreon funding helps us keep doing what we're doing. Patrons, it's a great way to join their favorite creators community, help with funding, and maybe get some perks along the way. You can go to patreon.com slash crackandfancast or crackandfancast.com slash patreon and make your way there. Uh, it can be any sort of amounts, uh, $5, $10, $20, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, we really uh, appreciate all of our Patreon patrons. Uh, we've got quite a few, and uh, we, if there are any more out there, we really appreciate you. So uh, thanks again for your consideration of that. Well, I have to give big thanks to my colleague, Jim, here, who literally bumped into this gentleman at a recent uh, Kraken home <laughs> game, the game against the, the Predators, in fact. And uh, this turned out to be someone we've actually been hoping to have on our show for an interview. So uh, tonight we are honored to have a man on our program who was immortalized, immortalized on the silver screen by having a hockey puck hit his head while playing an organ. <laughs> Now, well, I'll Never let you all know what I'm talking about in a minute, or he may tell you more about it, actually. That's probably better if he tells a story. Uh, but first, I'd like to welcome a, a relatively new member of the Seattle Kraken organization and community, the organist, your organist for your Seattle Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena. We have Rod Masters. Rod, welcome to Kraken FanCast. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with oh, me. Oh, Chris and Jim, it's so good to see you guys, and thank you for having me. Right on. And hi, everybody out there, all the Kraken fans. I love you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and they love you, man. I mean, it's it's one thing to, you know, hear the canned music that they've got on the on there, and there's nothing wrong with that. But just to hear Oregon, you know, J- Jim and I are a couple of sort of old school guys. We, we both grew up Boston Bruins fans, where all you uh-huh. had was Oregon, you know? So uh, we've got to hear that sound, and we're so glad uh, the Seattle Kraken brought you I in. That's why everybody keeps saying the same thing. They, they love the organ, and I think they're even happier I'm the guy from Slapshot. I, I didn't even realize that that was going to make a difference. I just applied for the job. Well, it, it makes a big difference as people like me and Jim, for sure, and a lot of people who know the, oh, yeah. the movie. Yeah. Now, your, your, your road to the Seattle Kraken is a fascinating one. Let, let's start off by saying, it, my understanding is you live in the Seattle area, but you're not originally from here. Is that right? No, not at all. Uh, Where are you from? On a farm in Ohio, and I learned to play as a young boy from going to church to listen to hymns. We had an old piano in the house, and I'd go home and play it. And so my mom and dad got me lessons, even though they could barely afford it. 
there were six of us living one bedroom house and one bath, and we didn't have a bathroom. We had a toilet outside. It was a farm. We were very poor. And uh, I learned to play the piano. I started giving lessons when I was a teenager, blah, blah, blah. But then uh, I moved to Nashville for a while, played. I came back home. I got a job at the music store in Parkersburg, West Virginia, right across the river from my hometown, Marietta. I moved to Johnstown. They transferred me to Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where the movie was filmed. That's where that happened. That's interesting. You didn't, you didn't record it in Los Angeles. You didn't go to Hollywood. Oh, it's all right there in Johnstown. Okay, well, let's get to that just in case there are some, uh, sure. some some people who don't know what we're talking about. If, yeah, around 1976, 77, you somehow, yep. and you just touched on it now, but you somehow found yourself on the set of what is arguably the most famous film about hockey, or at least the most famous comedic film about hockey. And I'm speaking, of yeah, course, I guess so. starting, yeah, starting uh, Paul Newman, called Slapshot. Yep. In fact, you were in a scene with Mr. Newman. We'll want to talk about that. Yep. Uh, Rod, how on earth did you get involved with that film and play the part of the arena organ player in it? It really boiled down to, to the fact I worked in the store and I was off one day and the phone rang. I was at home and they had called the store looking for an organist. And they said, that's perfect for Rod. You know, we'll give you his phone number. They were allowed to do that back in them days. They, they got my home phone number and called me. Actually, I thought somebody at the store pulled a joke on me, but the guy convinced me that he is the assistant director for Slapshot. Now, um, did you know, was there any uh, word about, hey, is this movie going to be filmed here? Did you know about a film before? Yes, I did. In fact, I was playing, not only working at the music store, but I was playing every night at the Sheraton where all the movie people would be staying. A couple of weeks before all the people showed up, there was one guy that would come in every night and I knew he looked familiar for the first time I saw him. And he played drums with us. It was Paul Newman's brother, Art Newman. And he's a really great drummer. So I got to be friends with him. But it really wasn't through him that I got to part. So it was because they called the store. And so they so call I the store and they say, hey, we need an organ player. Okay, Roger Guy, you hooked up. And then, and then what happened? Did, you, did they just give it to you in the spot? Did you have to try out? Like, how did that work? No, no, I had to audition. There was people standing in line for the audition. I mean, they all could play. Uh, so... I guess I was just nerdy enough that they wanted that look. <laughs> yeah, you had, we will say, you know, you had a little more hair, the beard. You had a 70s look. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, of course, I'm a lot better looking now, but. Of course. <laughs> hey, Rod, I got to ask you. So you were probably in your young 20s about that time, right? Yes, I think I was 22 years old. Were, were you intimidated at all by, by the whole production of what was going on? No, I felt pretty natural about it. I mean, I've seen how it's done and everything. I mean, there's always a little bit of nervousness about everything, but uh, the things they were asking me to do was easy enough. I could easily play the part, you know, the, as far as the music was concerned. Right. Not flinching when they shot the hockey puck out of the little air gun. Oh yeah, um, that's a, so. We, eyes. We, yeah, so we'll get to that. Yeah, so if I okay. remember correctly, you're shown three times in the film. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a okay. couple other short things at the end, but then. You have to really watch for that. Okay. And so you didn't have any lines in the film, but obviously you were, I guess, you know, what they would call a featured extra or whatever the, the, the term. You think I got something. Well, I, I mean, I think it's the movie theater. Very disappointed. Yeah. I was disappointed. They didn't have you on the uh, credit. Like if I look at internet movie database, your name's not on there. Or the, the direct, cause I, you were I've more heard prominent than a lot of others in there. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've heard that that happens to a lot of people. And there's other people with Slapshot that that happened to. I, don't, I guess it depends on which site you look at. 
but my girlfriend said she looked up something the other night about the organist for Slapshot and the Slapshot history or something like that, and my name was in there. Yeah, I've well, seen that. I didn't see it, but she told me it was there. I got to believe her. But right. Well, maybe, good. I don't know if they just recently put me in there or. It's definitely not with the credit. Well but. deserved. They're, they're trying to right or wrong here, Rod, for you. You know, uh, they, they, well, let's let's talk a little yeah. bit. About, I don't want to spoil it too much for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen the okay. slap shot, but there's a couple of scenes of you playing, and then there's also one where uh, Paul Newman want, didn't want you to play Lady of Spain. I'll just leave it at that. That was the okay. part. But the I'd love to get back to the one where, yes, you're just innocently playing your organ right there. And then all of a sudden a, a hard puck comes flying, hitting your head. So I was curious and you sort of touched on it, if you could talk about it again, how did that scene work out? I thought maybe somebody was just throwing at it. Yeah. Or I didn't know what happened. That was, it was news to me. I didn't know what the scene was going to even going to be or what was going to entail. I thought they were just going to show a couple quick video things of me when I got there. But then I realized what was happening and they explained it to me. Uh, George Roy Hill, the director, he was a very famous uh, director. He did a lot of big- Yeah, legend. Explained to me what was gonna happen. He said, we're gonna shoot this sponge, same exact size of, of a hockey puck. And it's got a hole in the side of it. And they got this little air gun that you pump up and it had like a needle type thing on, on it. And you stuff it on there and then pull the trigger or something, just shot out of there. It didn't hurt, just like somebody just smacked you on the side of the you head. You had to do some acting then. Yeah, so I had to like really practice, pretend like I didn't know anything was going to happen. I was like happy as could be. I did it several times, <laughs> exactly right. And uh, George Roy Hill sitting right across, he's sitting at the other side of the organ looking straight at me. He says, don't blink. We finally, finally got through it. He goes, that's, that's good. I think we got it. You know, in fact, after I got home, I was telling everybody about it. You know, I, I knew how to like keep the straight face and everything now. So I trust, obviously you met Paul Newman and, and a lot of the cast. Any stories or things that stick in your mind of who you met there? Well, yeah, the one that sticks out my mind the most was uh, Struther Martin. He oh, played great. the manager. Yep. And he was a great person very knowledgeable about everything and i've seen him in so many movies cool especially some luke i think that was one of his biggest ones but he was yes yep so I, I actually spent a lot of time with him having lunch and and hanging out and, and he was always happy to talk to me and i talked to some of the other actors too he's the one that really i enjoyed the most well him and art i had lunch with a couple of the girls the, the actresses that was kind of fun that was about it i didn't hang out with paul too much but he was—he kind of kept to himself on the off times, you know. So I didn't want to bother him. Rod, how about some of them other the other hockey actors like uh, Ogie Oglethorpe or McCracken? Did you get to hook up with those guys at all? I never did. Yeah. And even the, even the Hanson brothers, I barely spoke to at the time. Uh, I met them, you know, but uh, they weren't in my scenes, and I wasn't really in there. I mean, I was in their scenes a couple of times, like when he hit the puck. That hit me in the head. Right. Done at a different time, you know. So they weren't around on the days that I was there. So prior to that, had you watched hockey? Did you know the game at all prior to that? Actually, I, I went to um, a couple of the Johnstown Jets games there, right there at the War Memorial, and that was it. <laughs> okay. You had a taste. I never really of it. watched hockey, and even after I did the movie, I never watched hockey. I didn't know people were still watching Slapshot until I heard recently, like, you should really apply for that and tell them, you know, that you are you were in that movie. And never once did I ever 
tell anybody that I was doing it trying to get a job except for the crack. And I thought, well, it's worth a try, you know? So. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's jump back. So after you did all the scenes and everything, Slapshot came out, what, six, 12 months afterward? Yeah, that's about right. And did you see it in the theater? Did you watch yourself in the theater? I did. Took my girlfriend, or actually my wife at the time. It was very interesting because right in the beginning of the movie, boom, there I was. My whole face was off screen. I was playing the national anthem for the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh my gosh, you know? Yeah, and then, you know, I enjoyed the movie and and then... Got head in the head with the hockey pop. The whole audience, you know, just cracked up. So that was pretty fun. So nobody did you have local fame after that. It's hey, it's the hockey puck Gorgon guy. No, how was your no, life after? I got real popular with a lot of friends, but um, nobody recognized me walking down the street or anything. Hollywood Not wasn't even, calling. Hey, we need an Oregon guy. Then none of that was happening. You didn't have any other like acting aspirations after that. Just just stuck with the Oregon. No. Guy. I always thought I'd like to be an actor, but I could never, I would never be able to remember my lines. I always thought so. I always was a good actor. I, I mean, I could act like a child most of the time, my mom would tell me, or my wife, or <laughs> I was pretty good at that. Oh, but, I hear you. So, what was your, so tell us, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I know it's this big nutshell, but it, so that was like 40 something years ago. What, what have you been up to since then? How did you end up in the Northwest? Shortly, not too many years right after the the making of Slapshot, I, I moved to Vegas and I played in Vegas for a long time, all the casinos. And I ended up at Caesar's Palace for a long time. And then I got pretty tired of Vegas because it was just wearing me down. I started partying too much or whatever. And I was just like, I got to get out of here, you know? So I, I moved to Austin, Texas, which I figured I'd find a good job there. And I did really good job. And um, I flew to most of my gigs, big corporate parties and so forth and played with a lot of stars and so forth and between caesars and and austin i've got a lot of experience and then my girlfriend who was an architect got a great job offer in alaska i said i always wanted to go to alaska so let's just go i just quit my job sold everything we went up there she did great and then i got a job doing community theater did really well with that i got to play with a lot of uh, great musicians and singers and actors and uh, we did some high-profile, sophisticated stuff, you know, like Avita, Rent, Tommy, and on and on. Wow. I did it for years up there. And um, so we just got tired of the winter. So we came, she wanted to move to Seattle. So we came down here. I didn't do anything for a long time because we bought a fixer-upper house, and I worked on the house almost all the time. And then I just started, I started playing in bars and stuff. And then I heard about Seattle getting a hockey team. I thought, wouldn't it be something if I like, applied for that? I wonder if they're going to have an organist. And I always wondered that. And then finally, one day, I started looking on the internet, seeing who I could, should get a hold of, and I could never figure it out. A couple of people I, I wrote to that didn't, that I never even got a reply. Just a few months ago, I think it was in November or December, I met an old guy in Fairbanks, Alaska, was up there. They heard him talk about the movie Slapshot. I couldn't help it. I wanted to talk to him. This guy in Alaska is Mr. Hockey. He's an old guy. He looks like Santa Claus. And he lives like really near the North Pole. He says, why don't you play the Kraken? I said, well, I don't know who to get a hold of. He goes, I'll tell you who to get a hold of. I'll find out for you. Blah, blah, blah. He was so excited to meet me. And a couple of weeks later, he got a hold of me. And he says, this is who you need to talk to. And boy, was he right. I emailed him. 
And uh, it, who is it at the Kraken you connected with? Johnny Greco, maybe? It was not Greco. Greco was the second guy I talked oh, to. Okay. Lamont. That's it. Lamont. Yes. Uh, okay. Buford. Lamont. Yes. Lamont Buford. Yep. I couldn't think of his name under it for a second. And I haven't even seen him since I got, went to work there. He works in another part of the building or something. That was the exact person I needed to find to hook up to. And he wrote me back and we talked for a while and they wanted me to do some tapes. My girlfriend and I just took our iPhones, went into my studio. And I made some tapes. I put on a helmet and chief stuff and goofed around and play some crack, go crack and go songs and clap your hands. And and first thing I knew, people were calling me. They were going to the the games and they're playing it on the on the big screens. My videos I did in my studio. I guess the audience was really good, really responsive to that. Oh, yeah. We were yelling. Yeah. So (laughs) I I, I, shot guy. Wow. So I, uh, I'd already made up my mind that I was moving to Phoenix because I retired. We bought a house down there. On my way down to Phoenix, we're in the camper, and Johnny Greco called me. I said, we need you to com- come in and actually do a couple auditions for us and uh, maybe try out a game, you know. And I was like, I'd love to, but I'm on my way to Phoenix. He, t- he talked me into I took the camper on, on down there and I was there. I said, at least let me stay for a week or two. Okay. So I started January 1st. Auditioned again and they liked it and I liked it and I love my new job. <laughs> I really love it. I can tell because really I mean, I was, you know, uh, actually, and Jim was too, you know, Toronto game the other night. And, you know, obviously they're, they're showing you on the screen and I can feel the yeah. joy from you. Uh, uh, from from there i could tell you're having a great time by the way I am where, fun. where are you situated are you up by the with the media guys so you wear all that part? yes right in the middle of all that and there's, there's all separate rooms up there right and i'm pretty much in the center one and i got the best seat in the house rod did you get to bring your own roland or did they provide you with the rig i got i i brought my own rig uh they have offered to buy me something a little more respectable for hockey I mean, I can get by with what I got, but I'd rather have an actual organ. I took organ lessons for years, and I I like playing the pedals. You know, I don't have any bass pedals, and uh, I want a two keyboard organ with a rhythm box. I want and all the different sounds. I want the bells and whistles. My keyboards are for more of a combo band type thing. Right. So, but I'm I'm looking forward to getting something better. All right, absolutely. They got it's it's a brand new team. They got to get some brand new equipment for for our. Yeah, I mean everything's state of the art there, you know. And I got the keyboards are pretty old to to begin with. Are you splitting your time between Arizona and Washington then? I the only time I went back down there was to come back down and get my truck and bring it back because I had no wheels for a month up here until we got finally got a week off and I, I flew down. And drove back. I was taking the bus, which I don't mind taking the bus, but the E is like the worst bus. <laughs> All the rest of them are nice, but that one was like, wow. But now I have a truck, so I just take it from, Ed- I drive from Edmonds, where I live, and I go to the North Gate and get on the link and take it down to the monorail. And it's like first class compared to riding an E. All <laughs> big time. Well, by, yeah. you, you know, uh, cheers to Johnny and Lamont and anybody else who talked to you into uh, not staying down in Arizona. We can get you up here because it just adds, so, I think, you know, adds 
so much specialness to this uh, to this brand you know brand new team, this inaugural year, uh, which is you know yeah. state of the art. It's amazing. I mean, I've been living here for a little over twenty years. Jim's been here mm. all his life, and we've been waiting for mm. the L team for a long, long time. It's all you know, nice to drive up to Vancouver and all, but it's not the same. Having one yeah. here is so special, and to have you, Rod Masters. Playing organ music for, for us. Yes. That just adds oh, you're so kind. I, I can't tell you how happy I am to be here. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. my, I thought I was done, but now I'm just, I, I told everybody, I said, I'm just going to wait till I get old to get a suntan. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Rod, I, I got to tell you, in 1977, when that movie was made, I was 16 years old and I was playing midget. Wow. I was playing midget double A hockey up here in the Northwest in Bellevue and Seattle area. And uh, that movie came out at my prime of hockey. So you know how I attacked that thing. I was all over that movie and every teammate was. And I don't know how many times I've seen it. And I got to admit, I, I watched it again last week and just to get it going in the old brain. <laughs> it's, it's timeless. And the thing I like about what you've done and the Kraken and your story is it brings me right back. And now it's attached to the Northwest. And I can, uh, isn't that something? It totally is. I would have never dreamed that that would happen, you know, that I would end up being 45 years later, I'd be in Seattle, yeah, Pacific Northwest, with a great job because I sat there and played Lady of Spain. Yep. And, <laughs> and, well, the, the day that I met you and we, we talked a little bit about this, I was just blown away about everything. And I can tell you were just blown away by telling the story. So, I am. So that's it's a good we story. Were, I, yeah. And I can tell it because I was there. Yep. <laughs> well, and the thing it. is, you played it's hard to believe organ for player. Me on, you played this organ player in a movie, but now you're really doing it. You're living sort of the movie now. And now finally. I'm actually doing it finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> late than never and well deserved. So, well, Rod, thank you so, very much. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here yeah. at Kraken Fancast. I hope, we hope we run into you a lot more throughout the rest of the season and, and beyond. And uh, Sure. We, uh, I thank you so much, guys, for having me on. You bet, Rod. Okay, we're going to bring in Luke Chelios to join Jim and me to talk a little bit about the Winter Olympics, which might not be Seattle Kraken related to many of you, but it should be since Seattle's number one draft pick, Matt a.k.a. Maddie Beneers, is one of the stars for this year's USA Olympic team, a team that was sadly bounced out of the tournament due to a shootout loss to Slovakia. I've said it once, I've said it a million times, I hate shootouts. Anyway, hence uh, our boys, our U.S. boys, that is, uh, didn't make it to the semifinals, unfortunately. It's a really good, solid team, but uh, they're done. But uh, we can look back and uh, you know, know that there was some really nice play, notably nice play from Maddie. Uh, who many of you know uh, played for, plays for the University of Michigan, is one of the best, if not the best, college player currently playing. And like I bet many of you, yours truly, did not wait for him to regularly be in a Seattle Kraken uniform. We can talk about that and our conjecture when when we think that'll happen. But Luke, you, you know, did you catch you catch some of the Olympics? What's what's uh, what's happening with Maddie? What do what do you see? Yes, it was a little bit hard watching the games late at night in the middle of the night from China, but. They had a lot of NBC um, streaming and highlights. So caught a few of the first games. Uh, Maddie Beneers, number 10, was probably the best skater um, in all the games that I saw. That's what he I He can fly. Too. He played on the big European ice that had a little bit more room. And uh, the scoring is, a, a, you know, a little bit uh, wild. Eight nothing against China. 
Uh, he potted himself his first Olympic goal. He's the youngest player, I think, in U.S. history to score a goal of the Olympics. So good, good job, Matty Beniers. Matty, I mean, yeah, his skating, his scoring, either of you guys chime in. I mean, he's ready for the NHL. He feels that way to me. Uh, he's ready. He'll probably be here, well, as soon as the school season is, you know, completely wrapped up. He's ready. He was ready before. But you know what? Why not give him a little season there on international play, just like they did with Austin Matthews when he had his World Juniors and then he did World Championships. Uh, they stretched him out just a little bit technically. It never hurts. He's ready when we'll see him maybe the last month of the, the season at best. If they decide he only did one year of college, and I'm sure that's okay, but uh, Charlie McAvoy took the same route as, you know, him on the Bruins. So the one thing about Matty, I'm thinking uh, I, I didn't see any of the games live. I, I saw some moments, but most of it was replay. Obviously, he's a great skater. His, his skating has actually improved in just the last year alone. But his play away from the puck and his hockey IQ is just tremendous. He was a little dry in the tournament. I mean, two points in three preliminaries and one, you know, round robin. I was expecting a little more out of him. He did shoot a lot in the last game, but wasn't getting anything. And some people are freaking out about the fact that he wasn't used in the shootout. Um, just something to say he about wasn't? that. No. Well, I mean, no. they, they, they at least what? didn't get to him. They at least, but listen, I'm not freaking out about that like a lot of people. And the reason being is, is in international play, the international coaches know exactly what they're doing when it comes to selection process in the U.S. committee or whatever, and the Canadian team as well. They run them through practices and they run them through shootout drills because shootouts are common in international play. They may have seen something they didn't like, uh, you know, in some of his, uh, his moves, you know, that they weren't confident with, or they were saving him for later rounds thinking it would go late, but. I'm not going to say he would have been the difference, but a lot of people were pointing at that. What do you think? What are your overall thoughts of uh, Maddie Lou? Well, you know, I watched the quarterfinal game against Slovakia, not a powerhouse in hockey. And I was looking at the U.S. lineup and I was like, oh, my goodness. We should have just put the Michigan Wolverines out there. Probably would have been a lot better of a team playing four lines, uh, defensive units, and a goalie that they could trust as a team. But you throw a bunch of college guys together and some old AHL guys like Andy Miel, longtime AHL guys, captain. And, you know, there's a few guys that never heard of Brian Cooper on defense. And so going into have, the, but to your point, they had some throwbacks. I mean, Justin Abdelkader sighting and Steve Camper and uh, yeah. Aaron Ness, who was a Providence Bruin. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't foresee those guys in there. Well, Aaron Ness showed up uh Kraken training camp uh, for a little bit of a tryout. So uh, he's on a Kraken radar. Uh, I'm not sure we really need him. But uh, anyways, back to the quarterfinal game. It uh, went down to late in the game. It was 2-1. And Slovakia made a tremendous, uh, with the goalie pulled, uh, late game tying goal to put it uh, into an overtime period. So in the Olympics, they went three on three for 10 minutes. And it was completely different hockey than the NHL. It was kind of tentative hockey, almost waiting for the shootout. Matty Beniers, in overtime, he started the first shift. He took the face off to go into overtime. And I was keeping track of his shifts. And uh, by the end, they had him on every second shift out there at the end. And the kid just about won the game. He had four or five shots at the net. He was aggressive on two-on-ones. Uh, he made some great passes. And he showed just uh, superior skill. 
at the Olympic level in a, in an overtime period. So I was surprised like he did not get a, sh- a chance at the five shot shootout, but uh, looking back, uh, he probably should have won it in the overtime with four or five good shots directly at the net. Um, and he missed the net a few times. So maybe the coach said, you know, he's, he's not putting the puck in tonight. So he had a goal and assist in four games and, uh, but his penalty killing and his power play work, his skating he was on the, blue line a little bit on the power plays. The kid can do everything. So I so saw some really good talent that uh, should go right into the NHL with better players and uh, with a big paycheck ahead. A young John Tavares. Could he be that? Hmm. Uh, he does, that's a good point. He does have a lot of that those traits. Uh, there is some Matty Barzell in there a little bit um, <laughs> with his hockey sense. One thing I noticed is development in the last, say, since – uh, they drafted him, and what I've been keying on is he's really worked on his uh, possession and, and puck protection game real well, which is, for a smaller guy, obviously difficult. <clears throat> You're asking a lot. And so, you know, some of the corner battles, he's, he's winning, and I, I, that's something he wasn't doing a year ago. Very exciting. I'm glad the Olympics are over. The Canada lost to the Olympic hockey's kind of uh, was not very exciting this year without the pros, so... Yeah, they had to, they had some KHL guys, but uh, you know, yeah, it was uh, you know, it is you know what, what it is. You know, it was it was a weird year because I mean, we did think the pros were going to be in. We didn't think we we're going to have any AHL in most of February, and now we're you know with COVID postponements and everything, now we actually have the season. So uh, would have been nice maybe to have a few more AHL guys, perhaps, but uh, I don't know. I wasn't putting well, up the team, so I'm in the minority because I'm old and. Nothing was better than 1980, and nothing will ever be better than 1980. And the problem is, is once we started the pro program, then that's what it became. So to go back, is it's it just doesn't feel right. But at the same time, I'm not a fan of the pros in the Olympics. Oh, I'm not either. I should say, I, I g- generally, I agree with you, Jim. The only problem is there's another country or two, maybe I won't name them, that tend to put pros in. And which is why, all right, Russia, you know, USSR back in the day, well, you know, was having guys who were essentially pros. That's what in the 98 was like so amazing because they beat exactly, the exactly. But, but they were always at such a disadvantage. Uh, I agree. It should be. It's an amateur thing. It should yeah. all be college and junior league people. I agree. But well, we got, you know, it, it, it wants to turn the page coming back. is just it's a little hard. Um, but sure. remember, four years ago, it was amateurs, too. And. Uh, we had two players from the Kraken that were on that club that nobody seems to be able to know who the other player is. Will, Will Borgen was one, right? Will Borgen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Former Olympian. Yeah. Nobody knows that one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, man. There you go. Yeah. That's a big well, trivia. Maybe we should have said a few guys like Cole Lynn and Alexander True from our American Hockey League team. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what I. Well, that's kind of yeah. what I thought. I I would be. See, I would have like a compromise. Don't have the NHL guys in there, but like some ECHL or AHL guys who want to make more of an impression and get a little more, you know, up. Because obviously you've got some high level guys on those things. I've granted they're top prospects and they might be needed in the home, you know, the 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 parent club, but. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing. I, actually, I kind of like seeing that. We we saw that it was a little peppered in this team. It's mostly college and some junior league guys, but it was, you know a little, little bit of some pros just to kind of bring a little uh, experience. You know, keep well, keep keep, keep the uh, ROC or whatever the hell that team. 
it's called. Yeah, but not only that, with the format the way it is right now, you're going to get those two other teams, two other countries representing that have a chance. That, yeah. That wouldn't in the big six or big five from the pro format. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a really uh, great prospect that played for Slovakia, though. And if we have any luck, we'll get one of the top three or four picks in the draft. And number 20, right winger, Yuri Slavkovsky. Six foot four, 220 pound power forward at 17 years old today, scores mm-hmm. five goals in the Olympics already. The kid, the, the kid just looks outstanding. Put him on a wing with Natty Beneers, and uh, we've got something for the future here. So we'll just keep track of this kid from Slovakia. Maybe we'll see him in a gold medal game, and it'll be kind of exciting to watch Ooh, somebody was, like that. I was, I was watching him too after I heard the boys on. Uh, NHL radio talking about him. So I did a little video work on him. Um, be interesting. I need to look up his CSB rankings prior to this tournament because I'm not sure where he was, but there a lot of people are sure talking about him. The guy's got a NHL wrist shot. He's put five pucks in the, the Olympics already in four games. So he's a guy to watch uh, out of that Olympics. So uh, I think Matty Beneers uh, got to play against him. He might have something to say to the scouts that talked to him about facing up against this uh, kid on the ice and you know we need a big power right power forward right winger because our Kraken who lost to the Winnipeg Jets uh, really really are soft a power power, games yeah a power forward could be needed for sure well yeah let's remember that name you know at uh, draft time it sounds like just the kind of guy that Kraken could use for sure all right thanks very much guys Uh, may we see Matty Beneers in a Kraken uniform sooner than later folks uh, please remember if you haven't already done so please follow us on facebook instagram and twitter our twitter handle is at cast kraken uh, you can also subscribe to our youtube channel uh, which we're aiming to do more on soon as a matter of fact we'll have some uh, footage from our kraken uh, fan cast watch party uh, at mcnamara's pub in dupont washington south of seattle hope to see many of you there uh, remember, you can always catch Kraken Fancast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our own website, KrakenFancast.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to discuss more Kraken game happenings, among other topics. Thanks very much to our producer, Jay Middleton, Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunnison, and Luke Chelios. We thank you very, very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, Go, Go Kraken! Kraken.